Hi, Mason, and welcome to a special 9320 podcast. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Stefan to chat a little bit about Everton's points deduction, their financial crisis, and, and how all of that has come about and what it potentially could mean for City, if anything. Morning, Stefan. Morning, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I have to say, I, I certainly didn't think the first podcast we'd be doing about somebody getting a points deduction would be Everton. For some reason, I thought if it was going to happen to anyone quickly, it'd be Chelsea, but I guess not. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know why people are that surprised. I think it's when, because there's a lot of talk about it being a points deduction all the way through. Mm. And we knew the Premier League had asked for 12. Mm. Yet, when the sort of reality is, has hit, people seem really quite shocked by it. Um, but I'll give you a bit of background as to why the Premier League were asking for 12 and why Please. why they don't think it, uh, it's a shock. I mean, we can come on to it or we can do it now. But no, I think any... it's good to start with the context of, of why, the, why the league landed on a particular amount of points and how that rule itself works. Right. So, so the first thing to say is the league didn't land on anything, right? So mm-hmm. let's look at the structure of the of the process. And the way it works is the Premier League make a complaint. And this is exactly the same with City. The Premier League investigates something. So use their lawyers uh, to and accountants and experts to investigate a potential breach. In this case, in Everton's case, it came on the back of their, um, their, their typical annual returns to the Premier League, which sets out their compliance with the Premier League's rules. Uh, the Premier League weren't happy with some of the um, some of the deductions that had been made in that calculation. Therefore, investigated. Therefore, I mean, very quickly actually. So, from the time that they stuck the numbers in to the time that they actually charged them was about twenty days. Um, so clearly, they've been watching the situation for a while. As soon as that that complaint is made, it's handed over to an independent commission, referred to an independent commission. At that point, it is the independent commission that then effectively handles everything. There are lots of conspiracy theories that say the independent commission are not independent, but we have to assume that they are genuinely independent, that they are not biased, and that they are not acting for the Premier League. And actually, if they are, it would be the best possible route for Everton for an appeal, not only to the appeal board, but also to arbitration and beyond. So, But let's work on the basis that they are genuinely independent. What that means is once the matter actually comes to the hearing, which happened in October, from that point onwards, the decision as to what the sanctions might be or whether they actually are, are in breach or not is that of the independent commission and not of the Premier League. And what happens is the Premier League are effectively the claimant in the, in the situation and Everton the defendant. And both parties will make submissions, both oral and in writing, to the independent commission, effectively the, 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 the judges, as to the, uh, the blame or the breach, and then also uh, the sanction that should be made. And in that process, the Premier League suggested it should be 12 points. And Everton obviously said, if uh, we are found... Uh, to have breached and actually by the time that the hearing itself started they admitted that they were in breach Mm. Um, so they were saying look we've only breached by 10 million quid Uh, it's not that big a deal Uh, please just give us a fine 
Whereas the Premier League were saying, uh, no, sorry, you've admitted the breach. Thanks for that. Um, but it should be 12 points. And this is why. And the key, uh, it appears the key part of uh, the Premier League's approach was two twofold. Uh, one, it was in relation to the uh, EFL. So the EFL has uh, their own uh, financial fair play rules, profit and sustainability rules, and they have a whole set of guidelines as to how to calculate what, what the uh, point sanction should be. Mm-hmm. And effectively, that starts at 12 and then gets adjusted back. So if you haven't breached by very much, then the 12 becomes a smaller amount. Um, so that was that was strand one as a sort of precedent, for want of a better word. And uh, strand two was Richard Masters giving evidence that um, earlier this season or at some point in the, in the last few months, the Premier League has told the clubs that uh, they believe, the Premier League believes that the sanctions for a PNS breach should start at six points for uh, a breach i.e. at 105 million. And then for each £5 million block over 105, mm-hmm. there should be another point. So in Everton's case, Everton in this situation was said to have breached by £20 million. Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, on the master's calculation, it would be 10 points. However... What the Premier League, uh, so, so what the Independent Commission said is, well, first of all, EFL is irrelevant. Secondly, um, not sure what this guidance is, Mr. Masters, but doesn't seem to appear in any rule book. Um, and therefore, we're going to ignore that. And in any event, just the fact that you have in mind what the, uh, what the sanction should be is irrelevant because the powers that we have under your own rule book mean that we have discretion over what the penalty should be. And so we're going to make the decision ourselves. Thanks very much. Uh, now, just by coincidence, they came up with 10 points as well. So um, that's, but that's the background to how it got to be uh, one, a very serious number uh, of points and two, mm-hmm. how it became points at all. Have you seen, um, I mean, obviously Everton set out what they consider to be mitigating circumstances for yeah. the breach. Have yeah. you, you, I guess you've seen those, right? Yeah. So there's, so, so the parties, so the way that the independent commission approached it is they, they look at the situation, they look at the facts. As I say, by the time we got into the actual hearing, Everton had admitted the breach. So then you're, you're not looking for whether they're culpable for the breach. They, they are. So then you're looking at, okay, what's the quantum of the breach? So they then look through the uh, What do you mean by side. the quantum of the breach? So the, the size of the breach. So okay. is is the breach what Everton say, which is £10 million, or is it what the Premier League say, which I think was 125 million quid? And what, they'll, what they then did was they went through each block of what made up the 125 million quid and said yes or no. And they ended up in a position where actually they got to about 20 million that they were comfortable with. Yeah where they believe that the Premier League had, had made that point. Uh, so total losses of 125 million quid, 20 million over the limit, and that's therefore what they're going to sanction. They then look at uh, matters relating to mitigation and the relate and the aggra- aggravating factors. Now, in this situation, I can't remember whether it's six or four, but there was a number of aggra- aggravating factors that were considered in respect of, of Everton. And this is why a lot of the press that you might have seen over the last uh, weekend, from particularly from Everton fans, claiming that this is some kind of completely unbelievable, ridiculous um, 
sanction is wrong because there were a number of aggra aggravating factors. So they included the fact that the uh, the independent commission believed that Everton had effectively misled the Premier League over certain matters in respect of um, the stadium financing. Uh, the uh, independent commission described them as less than frank. Um, they found specifically that um, Everton had breached the general duty of good faith to the Premier League in terms of their dealings with the Premier League. Now, that's pretty serious. Mm. So once you get to that point, you're talking about some pretty serious aggravating factors. Well, um, sorry, just just hang on one sec. You said there that they said that they, um, that, that they didn't act in good faith, that the commission decided yeah. that Everton hadn't acted in good faith in what it told the Premier League. Correct. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that. So then, regardless so, of. So, so that was a major aggra aggravating factor. Mm. Then the then um, the, the the really the only meaningful mitigating factor that Everton pointed to was the fact that they'd cooperated. Um, but it, the Premier League, uh, sorry, the Independent Commission effectively said, "Well, hang on a minute. First of all, you you only cooperated and and provided information to the extent that you were trying to help yourself." Secondly, we've already said that you didn't act in utmost good faith. We actually, so um, whilst it's laudable that you cooperated to an extent, your cooperation was not so exceptional as to justify any mitigation. And so it rejected that their cooperation was in some way a indicator that, that they had been um, worthy of a discount. Now, that won't be the same with someone like Chelsea. Chelsea, on mitigation, will push very hard that they've come clean in respect of all of those things from the previous ownership. And they will get some mitigation for it. My only point that I've been making about the Chelsea situation in that regard is that the aggravating factors around those matters are so so serious that it's going to massively outweigh the... Um, the mitigating factors, because that the the aggregating factors are the systematic, fraudulent, um, uh, concealed, and deliberate. So, um, so that's not going to save save Chelsea. But in terms of Everton, um, they didn't really have any mitigating factors. Ultimately, mm. uh, there was one or two. You know, the trend was okay. So that there there was some. There was some minor mitigation for the fact that the overall trend, i.e., they'd stop spending, was positive, mm. um, but but not significant. Which brings us back to why they ended up actually giving them a sporting sanction, and and ultimately this is the key point. And uh, I don't know how it's ended up being like this, but um, a few of the major, I think it must be on the Everton sort of fan forums um, or some of the the sort of bigger. Um, uh, Everton accounts were suggesting that the independent commission had concluded that they had not uh, gained a sporting advantage. And whilst the uh, uh, the independent commission said that they hadn't gained a deliberate sporting advantage, so they hadn't breached deliberately, mm. the, the, the independent commission effectively said, you kind of inadvertently have breached the rules by being a bit too aggressive and gambling but we accept that you haven't kind of systematically just spent whatever and, you know, as a cost of business in the way that I suggest Chelsea have been doing this season, we're happy to breach. We accept that you, you, you've breached effectively inadvertently by 
not performing on the pitch at the level that you'd expected. So if you look at an example of that, in their submissions to the Premier League, they expected to finish sixth. That was their that was their business plan. And mm. they actually finished sixteenth. Now, you could argue that putting an assumption in a business plan for Everton that they would finish sixth was never realistic, and I would agree with that. But the the independent commission didn't want to go the whole hog and say that they'd been dishonest or that they deliberately breached. So they said they said they were happy that this is not a case of a deliberate breach causing the sporting advantage. But they were very clear that based on the precedents that are out there that they relied upon, which is the um, Sheffield Wednesday and the Birmingham City cases for the Football League, that you should infer a sporting advantage. So whilst you can't articulate exactly what the sporting advantage was, the fact that over a four-year test period they'd breached financial fair play, you have to infer that they did have a sporting advantage in each of those four seasons. And therefore, they should suffer a sporting penalty. And that's especially so in in the circumstances where they have a wealthy owner, where a financial penalty would be seen to be effectively irrelevant. And and obviously, we we can talk about City and Chelsea having the the independent commission say a similar thing. Mm. So... Obviously, Everton have said that they're going to appeal the sanction. And I asked you yesterday, who actually are they going to appeal to? Um, so just for the listeners, like, where does the appeal, like, where do they go to appeal? Yeah, so it's quite interesting in uh, well, in, in, in these terms. Um, ordinarily, when you have an appeal on, the, on situations, be they in court or whatever there's usually a kind of structure as to the the only the only ways in which you can appeal so often it'll say um uh, somebody's made a mistake on a point of law or no reasonable commission could have come up with that judgment but actually in the premier league rules you can go to an appeal on any basis okay so there's no hurdle that they need to jump to actually get the appeal everybody has the right to an appeal whether uh, whether it's justified or not. And they've already said that they're going to appeal. Then the appeal is set up uh, again by the judicial panel of the Premier League, um, which is meant to be independent, as I've said before. And another panel of three individuals called an appeal board will be set up by uh, Murray Rosen, who is the KC, who's the head of the judicial panel, the chairman of the judicial judicial panel so he will set up another three people they will look at the evidence that's been presented and um they as it as it's written in the rules all representations can be made it doesn't say that written representations can be made so it doesn't say that the parties will submit you know 20 pages of Mm. of why they why why either the original judgment is right or or why there should be an appeal. It doesn't say that, but it does say that the appeals board can set up effectively any directions, which is any uh, way of working that it so so wishes. So there's a lot of flexibility with the appeals board. I think the reality is the appeals board will probably do most of it on paper and will then hear, uh, will probably only have a very short hearing Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. 
to listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.